Welcome to Upgrading Society, a podcast and community centered around discussing, dissecting, and implementing projects that are seeking to improve the world. Our goal for each episode is to leave you, the listener, with a good sense of what each project is all about. To do this, we have developed what we call a CAP score. CJ, take it away. C is for clarity, A for action, and P for potential. Clarity is how clear your idea is. Action is what you have done thus far. And potential is how promising your vision is. Each letter will be scored from 1 to 9, leaving us with a three-digit score in the end. To get these ideas to the highest score possible, we have three tools to help facilitate the conversation. Mike, tell us more. When you hear this sound, the person speaking has to explain what they mean in simpler terms. We call this no big words. When you hear this sound, everyone takes a deep breath and explains how they are feeling in the moment and give a score of 1 to 10 in comprehension. We call this checking in. When you hear this sound, people riff on future scenarios based on what they just heard. We call this what if. That's it. Welcome to Upso. Let's go. Perry Gruber, the founder of Copiosis, has served nine years in the United States Marine Corps as a journalist and editor, nine years in the federal government working in power marketing as a media relations executive, and four years representing Intel on boards of many Oregon nonprofit organizations. In the last 10 years, Perry has worked in the startup field as a founder, co-founder, and COO of several startups. Perry also has a Master's of Business Administration with an emphasis on leadership and entrepreneurship from George Fox University and a Journalism Certificate from the Defense Department. Jarek Spigener, co-founder and CTO of Copiosis, is a computer scientist and researcher who has worked at Fortune 500 companies such as Goldman Sachs, Apple, Intel Labs, and Microsoft Research. Jarek is the co-inventor of two patents in the XR space and is currently completing his PhD in human-centered computing at Georgia Tech, specializing in tools and abstractions for developing spatially adaptive immersive applications. Enjoy. So Perry and Jarek, thank you guys so much for joining. I wish that uh, Michael could be here right now, but unfortunately he's traveling. So we had to do this uh, interview uh, alone with, with us two. So you're going to have to be the creative one. Today. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll turn on more of the creative brain and see if I can get to harness some of his energies into the questions we ask. So um, I just wanted to start off. Uh, could you tell the listeners who have no idea about what copiosis is. Um, just give them a little, a little elevator pitch. What, what is this thing? What are we talking about? Sure. So copiosis is a socioeconomic innovation we've put together to eventually replace capitalism worldwide. Essentially, how it works is we have created a system that enables people to live their passions and then get re- get rewarded by engaging with their passions and producing what we call a net benefit. So essentially what happens is all of humanity's necessities, so that's food, clothing, shelter, education, and healthcare are provided to everyone at no cost. The population is divided into producers and consumers. So the consumers of the necessities, when they receive them at no cost, and that benefit is produced because obviously you're feeding people, you're keeping people healthy, you're keeping people under roofs, et cetera. So the producers that are providing those things 
are rewarded a new system, like a credit, a new system of reward that we call net benefit rewards. And the net benefit rewards, the quantity of the reward given to a given producer for the benefit he or she creates is determined by a process wrapped within an algorithm that we use to measure what the net benefit value of the producer's action is. So when someone feeds another person or when someone takes care of their child or when someone teaches someone else's child to read, a benefit is produced. And the benefit is is determined by, generally speaking, the negative consequences of the action subtracted from the positive consequences of the action. And if that calculus is net positive, the actor receives a reward. And the reward can be used by the actor to consume anything other than necessities. So we call those luxuries. Capital goods are provided to any producer at no cost to them, just like necessities are provided. So essentially, in copiosis, a person lives free of debt and able to pursue their passions. They don't have to earn a living so they can pursue their passions freely. And we believe that when a human being pursues their passion, it's impossible for that human being not to create net benefit for people and the planet. And so those people are rewarded when they produce that net benefit. And society just pretty much does what they do today without the necessity of a capitalist framework. <laughs> I forgot my bell, so I'm going to put that in post. Uh, and there's really cool sound we overlay. Really over. cool sound. It's a great overlay. <laughs> Listeners have already heard it. It's great. I, was, I wanted to do it. I was like, how are we going to do yeah. this? So they, all right. Let's go like that. Um, so... We're going to do a quick check-in. Take a deep breath, everybody. And on a scale of 1 to 10 in comprehension, I'm probably, since I've, I've got an unfair advantage because I had an hour-long conversation with them before, so I'm at probably about a 7 to 8 in terms of what this overarching concept is. So I would say, I'm going to say 5, I think I get it more, but I want some really key questions answered. Like, how do you calculate the value of the benefit? You know, is it a group share thing? And then how is it different than, than currency, right? Where we transfer goods and there's a economics of uh, efficiency because of how often currency has been transferred, right? I think those, I kind of know the answer, so I'm a leading two. Uh, but let's say I'm a five because I'm going to represent the, the average listener right now. And I want you to tackle both of those for me so we can get up there. So I guess first one to first one to tackle here. Which one do you want to? I, I think here? this is going to get Jerry involved a little bit. Let's talk about how it's calculated and how the algorithm works, maybe, or how you know if I'm teaching someone to read, what's how do we know what the value of that is? Is it because that they will learn to read at that level as they're at a younger age than predicted, or the speed of which it's done, or the quality of the feedback that you get, or their net benefit? by being able to learn to read and, and the trailed, you know, value that that person being able to read gives back, you know, is there a residual value there? Anything you want to hit on? I just gave you like 18, but <laughs> tell me more about that. So Jerk, you want to jump in here? Sure. Um, so at a, at a very high level, those are all really good questions, by the way, um, at, at a very high level, um, it's about capturing the collective objectives of a community and representing those, modeling them and representing them in some way, and then using them in order to compare the outcomes of different actions against those objectives. So let's say that one objective within a community might be reading comprehension. 
So if there is an action that someone someone does that leads towards an increase in reading comprehension among the community, if that objective is prioritized highly, that would warrant more NBR than you know everything else being equal, an action that does not increase the reading comprehension of that community. Um, so the, the algorithm that we've uh, developed right now is sort of an approximation of what we will have eventually in the long term. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, we've, distilled, we've distilled the kind of key objectives into eight different parts um, that we, we think that um, would be representative of, of kind of the collective human values um, with regards to uh, impact on the environment, um, impact on, on society, uh, uh, objective benefit as well as subjective benefit. Um, but obviously these are very general things and, and they will have to be broken down into more detail. Um, and so as, as we've developed better measures for these things and more specific measures for these things, um, I think we'll be able to, um, take any two actions and basically compare them to see which action is more in, in alignment with the collective values of a community or the collective values of, of, of the entire planet. And the, the more alignment there is between the action or the outcome of those actions, because we are not actually, we don't actually really care what the actions are. All we care about is the results. Hmm. Uh, and so as long as the outcomes of those actions are in alignment with those objectives, that warrants more NBR. <clears throat> Ding. All right. One more check in. Sound again. So, so what if, right? So in this scenario, is am I thinking about it correctly? As let's let's use like a really simple example, right? Uh, a village needs food. The main source of food is is fishing, right? So someone that teaches people to fish, not only are they receiving NBR, right, from teaching that person to fish, but then in turn, as that person that's learned to fish and is then feeding the community, it's tracked their value that uh, that you've created in that person and the net effect that they've created. So you can almost teach 10 people to fish and then fulfill your destiny as long as those 10 people you taught to fish do it, you do it so well that they provide exponential value to, to their network and their spider web, yes. if you will. Yes, any given, any given action has the potential for uh, infinite value in the long run. Um, and so w- what we need to do in, uh, in order to be practical is um, figure out where the uh, value is being added in the supply chain up until to the point that we might say that the consumer is, is benefiting from, from something. Um, so whatever the product or the service is, uh, we can keep track of all the entire supply chain, everybody who's contributing there. And uh and retroactively um, allocate the value that's measured back towards those people. Um, so th- there's this is this is the one thing we've been thinking about, which we haven't quite figured out the details of yet. Um, but at a high level, that's that's the idea: is that we're we're keeping track of where value is being created throughout the entire supply chain, uh, and rewarding people wherever we can based on the things that we have a pretty good idea of about where the, where the value is being measured and where it can be measured. And it's okay. I think um, that this is an approximation. We're not trying to say this is, this is exactly kind of the, the value that's being produced uh, because ultimately our goal is to, um, is to set people free from the idea of being extrinsically motivated by, um, 
either a punishment or a reward, which is what our current system does. And we want people to be free to to pursue their actions, I mean, to pursue their their interests, intrinsic interests, and to be intrinsically motivated. And that's that's what our system is designed to do here. I like that. And you know what a thought occurred to me is if this really becomes what you see it becoming, you could almost be able to find the root actions that create the most value in the world. And imagine like how society would be able to encourage those types of individuals when you know, like, you know, like this, this is probably off, but like a garbage person, right? Like, oh, they stink. Like, oh, they have a horrible job. They're up at four in the morning, keeping us up in the morning. But imagine if you knew how much benefit every single can that they picked up every morning actually did for the entire community, how much it unlocked and how much a potential it gave. And then you drove by and you'd be like, damn, that's like the most powerful person on the block right there. That guy's got the most legit job. He, he touches more people than anyone else. And he just sits there and does it. Doesn't even say a word. Like it's phenomenal for society. It is. And it, and it, it really begins to recognize the people, not to, we, we, our system doesn't compare people with each against each other. This isn't about enforcing the idea of competition. It's about recognizing the value that each person is contributing and a garbage person is contributing a crap ton of value to society and should be compensated for that. Now, here's the really cool thing about copiosis. Let's say that a garbage person is going on his his or her route picking up garbage, and at the end of their route, you know, they dump it off at the dump or the recycling center or whatever. And through this process, she discovers a new way of doing that process that's more efficient, or maybe even that eliminates her having to pick up the garbage. Maybe she figures out a way to re reconstitute the garbage that we call garbage right there at the home and thereby eliminating the need to transport garbage to some central location. If she's able to convince people with the resources she needs, and we're not talking about money, just talking about the tangible capital goods that she needs to implement that idea. And the idea kicks off. She not only gets rewarded for the benefit of no longer having to move all that garbage around. She also gets the benefit or the, the, she gets rewarded for the benefit of transforming what was once garbage into whatever she's transformed it to, having it not ending up in the landfill. So there's a that. huge amount of value that's being created in the world that currently is not compensated for or awarded for in capitalism because capitalism can't afford to quantify and reward all of that value. I love it. You just crushed that analogy. You just, that you really just took that and took it to the next level. That's great. And it, and it applies everywhere. So let's go back to that fisher, fisherman teacher. A person who's teaching people to fish creates tremendous value. But if someone turns around then and teaches those same people how to be fish conservationists, so that when the people start, when, when the, let's say the liquid intelligence identifies that the, the fish stock that they're fishing is starting to get depleted, if those fishermen then turn into fish conservators instead of fishermen, all of a sudden you've created a dual purpose for these people. They're passionate about collect. If you've ever talked to a, a, a commercial fisherman, they're passionate about the fish they fish. And so if they can in one season catch the fish and in the next season, they enhance the capability of the fish to provide itself for meals and whatnot. Suddenly you've amplified the value of the fisher fleet. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that. And um, what's coming to my head now is, um, I'm sure you guys have thought about this a lot, but um, the current society and the current system, there's a lot of gaming in that system. There's a lot of people that just fight to get ahead, that do anything in their power to get 
money that will get them so-and-so. Find the loopholes, do the thing. What kind of loopholes are you expecting uh, in the first couple runs of copiosis? Because I know there's going to be some of this, right? But what what kind of um, gaming do you expect to happen in the very beginning of, of a system like this? And what can we do to prevent um, prevent that from happening? So it's a great question. And I want to start, I think it's important to understand how MBR works in order to answer that question accurately. So what I'm going to ask is, is for you, if I don't end up answering the question directly, and I'm a big proponent of doing that, please remind me that I didn't answer the question because I'm going to, I'm going to have to describe how MBR works in order to fully answer the question. Okay. Cool. Okay. Great. So, so MBR is not, it's not money. All it is, is a, is a, is a, recognition of one's contribution measured in that benefit value it's re- it's it's tangibly it's represented it's represented in one's nbr account as a number it's not anything you can withdraw it's nothing you can hold in your hand it's just a number in a digital account now once you're rewarded nbr it's yours it's it's like tied to you there's no way you can transfer your nbr to someone else there's no way that you can gift it or um uh, what's it called when you die? Um, inherit. Inhe- yeah, there's no way you could distribute it through an inheritance or anything like that. When you die, your MBR count just disappears. So it's it's non-tangible and it's non-transferable. So, and then the second thing is you don't get the NBR reward until the majority of the quanti- quantification of the benefit you've produced is accomplished. So there's a little bit of delay, but with artificial intelligence, over time, that delay shortens. But in the first few cycles, there's a delay between your act and receiving NBR. But remember, during that delay, all your necessities are being provided at no cost. So it's not like you're going to starve or go without your house or transportation or something like that in the meet- while you're waiting for your NBR to roll in. And then because most benefit persists in the world, as the NBR starts rolling in, it continues to roll in, even though you may not be producing benefit with regard to that specific act any longer. So right away, you get a sense that MBR doesn't function like money. It's not physical. So you can't, you can't pay someone in secret to do something nefarious. You can't pay some, someone to, to, to amplify your dastardly deeds. Like if, if I was, if I was um, Bernie Madoff, I can't use my funding to pay you to go recruit more people to contribute to my, um, my, um, my Ponzi scheme. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You, you have to be producing that benefit to receive the reward. And so does everyone else who might want to join you in your act. So that being described, ask your question one more time. So how does one game that system? Yes. Yes. So one of the things that we thought early on would be a potential gaming point would be the ability to corrupt the algorithm. So to get on board with what we call the copiosis organization, which is responsible for stewarding the framework called copiosis on behalf of society, uh, and then use your influence inside that organization to change up the measures or the way that the algorithm functions. And But one of the things that counters that is the, the open nature of the copiosis framework. So today, if someone were to whistleblow or to... Um, to divulge to the public your nefarious plot to corrupt the algorithm, potentially you could go to jail for that. 
because you're divulging a secret. That We see that happen all the time in our society today when someone blows the whistle or tries to watchdog and then, and then communicates what they're discovering. But in copiosis, no one can destroy your, your livelihood because they're not, no one is in charge of the MBR that you receive. You're in charge of it, you and the algorithm. So if someone were trying to corrupt the algorithm from the inside, one would assume that the people who are working alongside that individual would discover what they're doing and blow the whistle. And if you blow the whistle on someone who's doing a dastardly deed before the dastardly deed is accomplished, then you get MBR, especially if you identify the dastardly deed and then also identify a way to prevent that dastardly deed from happening in the future. You get two streams of MBR because of that. So there's powerful incentive for people to blow the whistle. And we already know that even in today's society, at great risk, people are willing to blow the whistle. So imagine how much more willing would they be willing to blow the whistle if they're going to get rewarded handsomely for improving the system, which is one of the, so resilience is a big part of our system and a big part of the copiosis algorithm. So to the degree that you make humanity more resilient, and if you're making the system more resilient, you're doing that, you get rewarded. So that's one of the you can tell these are really long answers. I apologize. No, the no, internal one, internal corruption is, is very important. And people, some people wouldn't think about that. So addressing it's good. Yeah. I also wanted to add to that, um, just from a technical standpoint, since the algorithm is not focused on rewarding actions, all it cares about is outcomes. It would be very difficult to, to, to rig the algorithm in such a way that it rewards a specific individual, yeah. right? Because all it cares about is outcomes. And if somebody is producing outcomes, that the algorithm perceives as beneficial, that's only because the community has decided that those outcomes are valued. So it, it, would be, it would be obvious if somebody changed something in some way such that the outcomes that are being rewarded are not actually valued by the community, right? So if somebody starts getting a lot of NBR and the community is like, this person is not doing anything to benefit the world, that, that becomes obvious. And at some point that will be corrected. It, it not only would it be corrected, it would be immediately found out because in order for the, the algorithm to reward a huge amount of MBR, there has to be something in the tangible world that's measurable that me that demonstrates right. that that person produced that result. And so you, you, you can't fund it in, in that regard. But there's another there's another way that we imagine that people might be able to loophole the system. And that happens before the transition. So imagine that we've gotten super popular a large swath of America wants to go this direction. We start implementing it and people start analyzing, well, how can you best benefit from MB from the system? Well, one of the ways maybe is to just buy up a bunch of property because in copiosis, all property is privately stewarded or we, we like to say privately owned, but it essentially means stewarded. It has to be stewarded somebody by somebody in order to avoid the tragedy of the commons. And so you could imagine that a bunch of rich people might join forces and try to buy up all of America or some large swat of the <laughs> land, because if you can own the land, then you have a fairly large ability to control how much MBR that you can get, because anything that pretty much happens on the planet has to happen on land or water or in the air or something like that. But what happens in copiosis, because the people, so let's say, not to vilify them, but let's say the Koch brothers. So they have a crap ton of assets, right? They have, they have their fingers in virtually every manufacturing operation in the world today because their conglomerate is so freaking big. Mm -hmm. But in copiosis, you're only rewarded for what you do as an individual. 
or what you do as it affects or benefits other people downstream. So predominantly, the people that would get most of the reward of an action that happens on a Koch brother-owned asset would be the people who are actually employing the asset, not the people who own the asset. Sure, the people who own the asset would get a little bit of NBR because they're deciding to allow the people that are that are using the asset to use it. But the majority of the result is is being produced by the people that are actually employing the asset. It would be a redistribution of profit. Yeah. Yes. It, it's it, it's not so much a redistribution it, it, of profit because there is no profit know, in copiosis. A realignment to how it should be based of, on value. Yeah. It, it, it's yeah. a realignment of where the actual benefit is being produced. Yes. That's a way better way of saying it. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Wow. I, my, my mind is kind of like, it's, it's trying to wrap my, I'm trying to wrap my head around the, the, the dynamic of, cause I know, I know right now land is so valuable. Land just earns money. And inherently, if you even just own a piece of land and don't even do anything, you're just raking in the cash. Right. Whereas with copiosis, you actually have to do something on that land to earn your value. And so whether it be you, the person who's owning the asset, doing the things on the land or letting other people do things on that land, that's where the value comes in. And I, that, that makes a lot of sense. It doesn't attack, it doesn't attack generational wealth, but it says that today the most wealthy people and the people that are separating themselves from the others are the ones that are doing the most good. So you could come in with a lot of NBR, right? Or inherit or have some kind of way of, of having your family give you land that you create a passive, you know, flow from it. But unless you're actively doing something, then you're not going to keep pace with the rising, the rising, those of the rising economy. That's that, and it's, and it's makes it almost impossible for someone just to inherit and stay above the pack without doing anything good with their life, which is kind of nice. Could threaten some people, but not me. <laughs> well, see it, it. So the interesting thing about our transition strategy is that we've designed it so it doesn't threaten anybody. So right. like a rich person today, um, let's say a Jeff Bezos, it, even if he decided to allow the shareholders to have total decision-making authority over amazon.com, all of his wealth gets transferred into copiosis and into MBR, one, a dollar for dollar. So he's still a billionaire, the same billionaire he is today. And in fact, his, his wealth is worth far more in terms of its purchasing power because it can only, you can only consume luxuries with NBR. Every, everything else that he would need comes, that's a necessity comes to him at no cost, including the labor that he might need to maintain all the stuff that he might have in, the, in his in his personal possession. So his assets have value, but no cost because he doesn't need to pay anybody to maintain those pieces of property. So his his net wealth goes up tremendously as a result of transitioning into, into copiosis because the wealth is no longer needed to give him access to the necessities he needs, him or his family. So there's so no reason for a really wealthy person to resist what we're doing because they benefit too. I was going to say the way I think of it is that copiosis decouples wealth from power. Yeah. That is a very good way of saying like that. what we're trying to, trying to say. That's great. I, I want to dig in a little bit more about the necessities. You're saying that 
necessities are covered in copiosis, that all of the basic needs that you have are covered. How? So, so let's say, um, let's use medical care, for example. So you have a doctor who, who um, let's say he's a thyroid specialist and someone comes into his clinic with a thyroid condition and the doctor and his crew, his team is going to do whatever doctor thyroid specialists do with that patient, right? So the supplies that he uses, the facility he's operating from, the, um, the diagnose, diagnostic equipment he's using, the people who are standing by his side participating alongside him in the treatment, all of this is provided to him at no cost because all of the people who are providing the equipment, the supplies, all of the people that are standing beside him that are doing this work alongside him are being rewarded based on their contribution to the patient. So when the patient gets better, all of the people who have contributed to the, to the implementation of that, that treatment get MBR. So there's no need for the doctor now to cover any costs because everybody, including the electric, the people who are working in the electric utility that are providing him electricity, the people who are walk, working in the water bureau that are providing him with the, the water that he needs for his facility in the bathroom or at the faucets or whatever, all of these people are being rewarded for the value they're creating by serving that doctor or ultimately serving the patients that he sees. So if you imagine our algorithm and hopefully the liquid intelligence AI Okay. Um, is tracking all of this through the Internet of Things and the Internet of Information and the Internet of um, what's that third thing? Uh, automation. Another? Uh, Internet of Automation. Oh, yes, right. Internet yeah. of Automation. Yeah, is is able to track all of this and in, integrated with our algorithm is rewarding every single person that is contributing to the value that that, that doctor creates. So that doctor mm -hmm. doesn't have any cost whatsoever even facility costs because everyone's getting rewarded MBR for the contribution they're making to that doctor, ultimately to that patient. Wow. How did you, how did you come to the understanding that there is a balance between what people need to do and what people want to do so that everybody is aligned in that way? Right. Cause it seems like there's one person benefiting, right. The, by the interaction, right? The person needs something and that's why they interact. So the person that needs help is the one that's benefiting, but everybody, then there's like nine other people that are benefiting from that one person, the outcome of that one person. How does that, how does that balance? It seems like there's a lot in that, in that situation, there's a lot of expertise that goes into helping one person. How is the, is the net effect of in that example, that person and what they're able to do because they're healthy now, like really transfer enough NBR to be able to supply all of these people with a happy existence and for them to have enough capacity for extra to make them happy. Like how did, how did you come to that? Well, it was it. So I come to it from a spiritual perspective and it's, it seems incongruent to think of it that way. But from my perspective, from my spiritual experience, every human being just by being on the planet creates tremendous value for every other living organism. Mm -hmm. it, it's just, it, it just seems like a no brainer to me. So, I believe that we have to have a system that accounts for that. And, and so one of the great things about the MBR, the net benefit concept in MBR is there's no limit to the amount of MBR that can be created because MBR is tied to net beneficial outcomes. So the more outcomes you have, the more net benefit Good. reward is created. So it's, so in my mind, that enables this system to be, re, to be able to reward every human act, even acts that seem like are producing nothing like 
So I said producing nothing, but I'm about to give an example where people would rail against me for what I just said, but bear with me here. So like when a, when a mother gives birth to a child, when the infant comes into the world, a tremendous, by virtue of the child coming into the world, tremendous net benefit has occurred to the parents, right? The parents are tremendously benefited by the production, the existence of that child coming into the world. And as that child grows up, that child is benefiting a huge amount of people as they as that child interacts with their siblings, their parents, their grandparents, their peers at school. There's just value after value being created. And as I think about this, that value is hardly, it's never captured in a tangible way in our current or society. Or the other way around, right? All the value that the parents are, are providing for the child or the grandparents are providing for their grandkids. Yes. That's yes. not that's not measured at all or, or valued at all in our cur- current economic system. Yes. Yes. And so so when you talk about livelihood, remember that there's a couple things to remember. First of all, luxury items just like necessities are produced at no cost. Nobody is incurring any cost to produce these things. People are giving the luxury producers all the materials they they need, including labor, to produce the luxury they're going to produce, because when the luxury is consumed by consumers, net benefit is created. So that means the the so we have these things that replace prices in, in copiosis called gateways. Uh, in, in computer language, a gateway is an amount, it's a threshold that when you have an, a certain amount of MBR that meets the gateway threshold, it unlocks access to the luxury. So in order to consume a luxury, you have to have enough MBR to satisfy or unlock the gateway. Now, gateways are not analogous to prices because there's no cost or profit involved in copiosis. So a gateway is not covering any cost, nor is it generating profit for the producer. All it's doing is saying, this is how much MBR you need to consume my luxury. So Hmm. a gateway does not have to be at the same level that a price is because you're not covering costs or generating a profit. So a Lamborghini, for example, in copiosis doesn't cost a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars because you don't have to cover the cost of producing the Lamborghini or cover the luxury bump up. A, a Lamborghini in copiosis could be maybe to be honest with you, you wouldn't own a Lamborghini. What would happen is you'd get the service that the Lamborghini provides and Lamborghini would continue to own the Lamborghini and they would benefit from keeping your Lamborghini in tip top shape. So if you crash your Lamborghini and they rebuilt it for you or gave you another one, they'd still continue to receive MBR while they recycled the one you crashed. So it's like, so going back to the doctor and the people that are contributing to the service of that patient, how are those how are all of those service providers making a living well first of all they're living pretty luxurious lives based on necessities and then on top of that they get luxuries as a result of the accumulating streams of mbr that they're producing not just as nurses and um, admins but also from being human beings yeah. i mean one going back to your loophole question jared one of the loopholes that we saw which just flummoxed me was that if we move too quickly and rewarded too much M- too much if we rewarded too much MBR for all the value human beings were creating in like a couple of days everyone would be net benefit billionaires and so that What's would be a problem well the the, <laughs> the problem is human beings need time to decompress and unlearn all of the indoctrinated behaviors that they currently have learned as a result of earning a living and and having to afford your necessities and being under oppressive um, systems such as institutionalized racism and other things. And I'm not just talking about P- 
people with brown skin, but I'm talking about people with light brown skin. Those people are just as indoctrinated in these systems as people with dark brown skin. And so we need some time for humanity to catch up. It's just like AI, you guys. You, we can't have AI going into... into hmm. if, AI, if AI was here tomorrow in its fully full-fledged, blown-out blown form, humanity would have a real difficult time because a lot of people might want to commit suicide because their sense of purpose is tied into their jobs. And if their jobs go away, what are they going to do? I love that. I, and I love how you're answering the question because I, I was hoping you'd go that way. Like there is unlimited upside because there's unlimited good that we can do, right? There's no cap on how much good is in circulation. So there needs to be a balance and distribution or the supply and demand factor. There's no supply and demand. It's like if, if this, if everybody started doing this today and we evolved it the right way, right? And we did it exactly how you were just talking about, like, so we can handle it 50 years from now, we could all be, we could all be billionaires and we should be because the amount, if we all wake up and it is in giving that we receive and just live your entire life by that motto, then we'll create unlimited everything. And then we'll have access to unlimited everything and nobody will ever worry about it because they know this is what I do. And then I can do whatever I want, like pave my way. No, it's all, that's where I see this able to go. I'm like looking at the future and we're all in like flying cars and like everybody's, everybody's wealthy in their own right. You know, that's the entire point of copiosis is to take us there cognitively, right. From a place yeah. where we think um, a certain way right now to where we, we have this scarcity mindset that, you know, there's this limited amount of things to go around and that I have to compete with everyone else to get these things um, to the place where we now start to recognize the abundance that already exists even today. I yeah. And it's, and it's interesting it. because the, the fundamental premise of copiosis is this. If a human being lives their lives according to their passions, they will change the world. Every human being has a passion that's unique to that person. And if they live their lives adhered to that passion, <clears throat> they will change the world. And as they change the world, they'll become rich because every passion, the true passion, I'm not talking about like, um, I'm not talking about someone who's been conditioned into feeling like it's their passion to exploit uh, children or women. You know, that's not a true passion. I'm talking about the thing that lights someone's fire from the inside. And so mm -hmm. if, if people are left to pursue their passions in the way I'm defining it, then all of a sudden the world catches on fire. And all of our, so look, there are people... There are people in the world today who are passionate about things that they could that could solve many of our problems, but they don't exercise their passion because they're too busy trying to afford necessities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or they're in a they're in a they're in a country that's oppressive and they can't express their passion because they're relegated to some menial task because they don't have opportunity. Yep. And so it's like the guy who created the um, the ocean cleanup nonprofit organizations called ocean cleanup. You guys are familiar with that ocean cleanup. Okay. So that, yeah. that guy, it was his passion to solve the Pacific garbage patch. And he started all by himself and created some innovations to try and do that. And his first one didn't go very well, but his second and third and fourth went super well. And then all of a sudden people started giving his organization that he founded millions of dollars. I think his budget is like $37 million a year right now. This is in capitalism. Imagine what it would be like to, have someone like that identifies a problem they wanted to solve. They're passionate about it. So they're unwilling to not do it. 
And as a result of that, they attract people with similar passions in different areas, but that that complement what he's doing. So they naturally, they, they organically form an organization. And as they become more successful, people with the resources they need provide them with the resources without the organization having to pay for them or worrying about the budgets or anything like that or affordability. How much faster can we solve our problems? Yeah. When there's thousands or millions of people around the world following passions that solve problems. And we can get through that first iteration that doesn't work so you can get to the second, third, and fourth. Yes. So I'm 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 loving this. I'm fully on board with the the big picture vision and I think like uh we've uh, we've we've thought very similarly about a lot of the same issues and I'm really loving that. But what I what I am stuck on now and what I think if we had an easy answer we'd be able to create copiosis already fully because it's this is a hard question. Those people who are stuck in the mindset of I need to be better than you or my value is like since I have X amount of luxury items, I'm better than you. Status, hierarchy, this really deeply ingrained thing that has been programmed to be like this is a natural thing, the natural order, right? Like there's a lot of this deep programming. We have language, we're human, so we're different. How how do we how do we adjust for the people that are going to find a way to maintain a hierarchy within copiosis? What, what, what are those people who, who, who seek to be higher up on the ladder? What do, we, how, what do they look like in copiosis? Well, so let me ask you a question in return. What would those people, how would those people create such a thing? What would be the leverage points that they would have to do that? The leverage points would be creating a lot of value for a lot of people. <laughs> so I guess they would just be really just driving to create a ton of value so that they could have a higher status. Yeah. That's and it right. may be entirely driven by greed. Yeah. Greed it, value. It could be. I mean, but value. we've been talking about that before, right? Imagine if you logged into Instagram and every time you gave a like, like it donated something to someone of value, right? <laughs> Instead of just wasting your day, like every time you use your finger, you're helping someone, right? Like it's like greed is good in this situation because greed is, is you exponentially helping people and maybe so but that's still a fair point though right like part of this is to help society and to help people align what's right and it isn't giving that we receive but if somebody does really good there's still going to be that internal you know is that is that why you're saying there's a long uh, uh character arch on this to be able to get it there and we can't it'll shock the system and eventually we just understand that this is a better way to do it and it's a fold-in Yes. So there's there's a couple of things, and I'm going to get spiritual for a little while here to, to drive this point home a bit. So those people, first of all, you said greed is good. Not only is greed, is greed good, it's virtuous if looked from a particular point. And if you notice, greed or desire drives innovation. It drives a lot. It drives a lot of human behavior, and if channeled in the right direction, can do a lot of good. And so, the net benefit calculus, the net benefit concept, where in order for you to succeed, in our definition, you just have to do what Jared said. You have to create an enormous amount of benefit. And so, as you do that, 
and you cannot use the leverage that that a rich person has a rich powerful greedy person in the distorted view has today to exert that higher status like they can't control another person's income they can't fire people and destroy people's careers they can't they can't um they can't exploit women in a sexual way because why would the woman need to give up why would a woman need to spread their legs to be economically successful in copiosis she doesn't need that person's money she doesn't need that person's opportunity so there's there's no real opportunity for a person to to leverage the the station that they have as a very wealthy mbr holder so then in my so then what kicks in is what i call the inner the inner awareness of a of the human being that gets triggered hmm. as more and more people around them get to where you guys already are about this system when people start living in a system where all their necessities are provided they don't have to earn a living and they're following their passions something remarkable starts to happen along the lines of maslow's hierarchy of needs and as more and more people are in that space more and more people are willing to how did you say it get what was that phrase you use you give to get something like that it isn't giving that we receive yeah yes it is yes that's right and so so let's say you have some guy who it has high station and he's trying to rule over the people who work alongside him who are no longer his employees someone in that group of people might come up to him and say you know you're a dick and it's it's amazing <laughs> that so many people are working with you because you're a dick but and i have a friend who is really successful he's transformed a lot of dicks into altruistic people you might want to look into that because because here's the thing if you're a dick in copiosis we have these things called reputation accounts where people um can make declarations in your reputation account about how you are as a human being and so over time the indicator of those declaration accounts can tell a person who doesn't know who you are what kind of person you are and so over time a dick doesn't have very many people working with him because there's no reason for the people to work for a dick when they can work for someone who's a great person yeah and so at, at some point at some point the high station guy who's trying to leverage that high station is going to go why am i so alone and then they're going to start seeking out the the mental health services to help turn that around and by the way that comes to them at no cost in fact it's probably likely that people who are passionate about doing that kind of work are going to come to that person and help that person because doing so merits them nbr yeah yeah part of this We're, is that the um employee employer relationship becomes obsolete so yeah. no, you know nobody really works for anyone else anymore it's more of a right. collaborator re relationship people yeah. people work together on things they're passionate about i really like that a lot because it almost reminds me of a like it, it's like a, a goal-based thing where it's like this it's almost like a like returning back to like the roots of like like hunting an animal or something where it's like the, here's this goal that we're all that we're all doing like okay let's kind of self-organize around this and like i'll go this way you go that way and does this work okay i want to work with you all right let's let's do it and like that instead of hunting that animal we're creating value in the world and there there are these targets that we're shooting for yeah. um versus you know you're trying to you're you're gonna go hunt the animal and and meanwhile someone's around and stabbing you in the back because they want to steal your position to be the first one to kill the animal right like that's capitalism brutal it's 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 insane so it's like I, I really like the idea of 
copiosis measuring the value of the outcome versus the actual actions themselves. I read that's a really cool. And and and, and the delay, the delay yeah. is important. So it's like the delay that occurs. So like today, you can do a really shitty thing that in the short term benefits a lot of people, make a lot of money, and then it turns out your thing is really crappy and you don't have to give your money back. Mm-hmm. In in copiosis that that doesn't happen because either you've really thought about the outcome to the best of your ability because you have time to do that in copiosis you're not you're not competing with the other people and so you weeded out a lot of the potential negative repercussions of your act and secondly there's a whole bunch of people watching what you're doing and so there's a high likelihood that they're going to catch something really terrible before you get your rewards and then you have the opportunity to do something about it it's not like you're going to be penalized if you're thinking produces crappy results you have the opportunity to fix it and still later on become a net benefit billionaire so to expand on that um well so the reason for the reward is that i mean for the delay is that uh there are some actions that might be so unlike previous actions that the outcomes of those actions are not yet understood yeah right um so when we do understand like if there's an action that's well understood and we have a good idea of what the outcomes are the award can generally be be distributed pretty quickly, um, yeah. right? Pretty much as soon as the outcome is is measured in the world. Uh, uh, but when, let's say, somebody's developing a cure for migraines that hasn't existed before, and uh, and so we haven't done any studies on on this cure. We don't really know exactly what these side effects might be, the outcomes are. So maybe sure. it cures it cures migraines, but ten years down the line everybody's limbs falls off who's taken that drug. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so so it's, that's why it's important for there to be, um, uh, for, for the outcomes of any given action to be well understood before the award is distributed. And that might be that, that might mean that like a scientist working in a lab is not rewarded for their work until 10 years down the line. Uh, but it's fine because they're doing what they're passionate about in the meantime. And if they're successful, they'll be incredible, they'll be rewarded very nicely after 10 years or whatever the, the trial period is that, that it takes in order to be um, confident about what those outcomes are. Um, and, uh, you know, they're not going to starve in the meantime or anything. And, and also, we know that, what do they call it? Um, what kind of research is that? It's uh, research done for research's sake. I don't, there's a name for it, but it, we know that that kind of research adds value to humanity. So this researcher who's working on this migraine um, solution is still going to be receiving MBR right. on the way because they're conducting this research, this academic yes. research, or whatever even it's if called. they fail, they're even adding they towards fail. the knowledge of, right. of you know, yes. the knowledge of, of failure cases. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it, what's great about that is it's rewarding the process versus the outcome as well. I mean, it's it's really like I'm going to be doing something that I'm passionate about and I've taken time to study and that I'm good at. And by doing that, I can live a happy, healthy, successful, luxurious life. That's really cool. Yes. I've seen, I've seen quite a few different examples of looking at the long-term benefit and then rewarding based on long-term benefit instead of immediate benefit, right? Being able to take the net effect of doing something good and being able to obtain the value from it now. Right. I've seen people try to do that. I've seen it, people trying to do it with technology and blockchain. I've seen people try to do it in financial world. I've seen in education. But this feels to me like a fully thought out, fully baked version of what this 
that everybody's tiptoeing into could be. And this is, if we go down, like y'all are going down these meandering paths and you might love it, but when you get to the end, this is going to be the castle at the end of the path and this is where it all is going. And I haven't seen a fully developed version of this. I haven't seen a non-capitalistic still version of just creating more value right in the present value by being more able to accurately determine what you're doing down the road, right? Using algorithms and using predictive technology. But this doesn't incorporate the full spectrum because it does. it's still a finite, you're still in a competitive world where this takes out the ceiling and it takes out the capacity and just requires the assimilation to create unlimited. And the others are just like a better mousetrap, right? Where this is just saying, this is saying we're going to like change the way we think about mice altogether. <laughs> I, I love it. And it's, I mean, I'm up to like a seven on my, on my clarity here, on my, under, uh, on my understanding. But I think that there's a lot more we can do to kind of, and what's the name of the website exactly? Let's plug that right now. Copiosis.com. So C-O-P-I-O-S-I-S.com. Your explainer videos and the way that you try to articulate what you're do, trying to do is phenomenal. I would encourage everyone to go there if you're at all interested in what they're trying to do. Um, it, 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 it allowed, that's why I was throwing these questions at you and I'd hope you go in a certain way because I've seen a couple of those and I know what you're trying, this castle that we're trying to create here. So I, I'm, I'm very proud of, of, of being able to have you all on today because like I said, this is, there's a lot that goes into this and a lot of moving parts to being able to have a fully baked understanding of what all the, the different things can do, right? Like everybody sees a few stars, but you're, you're in, you're, you're in touch with the universe here and how it all connects together. So yeah. And, and I'd, I'd like to now, now that we have a really good big picture sense of what we got going on here, um, I want to dig into specifics of um, boots on the ground. So like, A, what have you, maybe just first question would be like, what have you done thus far historically with copiosis that has um, gotten you to where you are today? Like what kind of tangible things have been ha done in the real world? Yeah, so the, the most important thing are our demonstration projects. So we had two demonstration projects, and I can go into as much detail as, you, as you'd like on this, where we, the, we actually had three demonstration projects, two of which were actually implemented because each one represented a different type of approach to the demonstration project. One was held in Northern California in Chico. The other one was, was in Portland. Um, and the purpose of these demonstration projects was to show us that the general concept of net benefit and people's willingness to plug into that and do things for other people in return for MBR would work. And I'll describe that in a minute. And it really did work. And then the second, the second thing on top of the second thing on top of that was the media coverage we got in the first few years, which was mainly the result of the demonstration projects, but also the result of plugging in early to the RBE community, the resource-based economy community, uh, where as a result of that, I was invited to uh, speak at a Zeitgeist Day in Greece. Uh, the, my presentation wasn't very good, but the buzz it created was amazing. And so as a result <laughs> of that and the timing to the demonstration projects, 
we had uh, 27 locations around the world that wanted to do demonstration projects as a result of the ones we were running in, in the United States. But that outstripped our ability to, we didn't have the resources to manage 27, number one. And number two, the people that were asking for those projects didn't have the, um, the acumen or the background to be able to start to start one up. It's just a lot of work to start the demonstration projects. So if, if you don't mind, I'd like to describe how one of those worked. Absolutely. Yeah, please. Okay. So, so the one in Portland was organized around um, a preschool at the time, uh, the owner of which I was married to at the time. And the prime luxury, so it was a, the preschool and the community that was sending their children to that preschool. And the luxury, so one of the motivating, extrinsic motivators in copiosis is the ability to consume luxuries. And the idea is that luxuries and copiosis are so fantastic, people want to consume those things. And so they'll do things if they're extrinsically motivated to generate the MBR they need to unlock the gateways. So what we did with this one particular demonstration project is we designated a luxury that was highly attractive to this preschool population. And the luxury was a $100 discount on your tuition um, in, a, in a given month for your kids to go to this preschool. And so that luxury item produced a lot of people taking action to create net benefit. We had, we had people that were uh, putting in cat doors. We had people that were um, providing um, necessity eggs to people and brownies and homemade ice cream and tutoring kids and doing translation services and all kinds of things were being offered as a result of offering this one luxury. Uh, and then other people started offering luxuries also. Hmm. And so that's how that that demonstration project was organized around a tangible, valuable luxury that people wanted to consume, which was a $100 discount on their monthly tuition. The other demonstration project in Chico, California, was more organized around a community. So there was a community of people who were kind of like um, pre-wired for copiosis, kind of like uh, progressive hippie type folks who were really spiritual and eager for something different than capitalism. So when we unveiled Copiosis in a big event down in Chico, we got more than 50 people in the room and they just pretty much took it on their own and started creating a huge catalog of, of necessity items that, or sorry, of uh, luxury items that were, of, that were in need in the community, such as um, transportation services for the elderly, uh, uh, not mentoring, but um, uh, spending time with the elderly, uh, uh, educational tutoring, language tutoring, these kinds of things. And then on the, on the necessity side, people were creating uh, gardens and growing vegetables in the gardens and giving away necessity food. They were having people over for dinner. They were having uh, community meetings where people could participate in conversation and at the same time receive necessity food there. There was one person that was offering rudimentary medical care. Um, and so both of these demonstration projects, I think we distributed like around 17,000 MBR to participants across both of the demonstration projects. And the media really, the community sponsored and nonprofit media really caught hold of this. We didn't get far enough to generate media coverage from like private media mm -hmm. conglomerates, um, but I'm sure that's coming. It, we just have to continue to do what we're doing. So those are the two significant things that we did. And then the, the second thing, or the third thing that's significant is um, we have been successful attracting a small amount of funding. So we have, we've had a couple of people, two people predominantly who have contributed over $100,000 to um, help me 
uh, be able to cover my personal costs so I can spend full time working on this project. And then we have a small group of patrons that are providing ongoing funding to help support the ongoing expenses of running Copiosis, the website and social media advertising and things like that. So cool. those are the most significant things that we've done so far. That's amazing. I, oh, I should, I, should, I should also add that we also um, had a, a local university, Portland State University, create our beta uh, software that we actually used to run the demonstration project. So these weren't demonstration projects that we were running with a spreadsheet. It was actual software with a user interface that people could interact with the algorithm and generate their MBR and keep their MBR accounts on the system and that. And cool. then the, the other thing, of course, is the MBR algorithm. So I created the first version of the MBR algorithm and had a friend of mine who was a PhD mathematician refine it for me because I'm not a mathematician, but I had a general idea of the eight questions we needed to ask. And then he turned that into a real math formula. And then Jarek has, and another guy has worked with me um, since then to create six different versions. We're on 7.1 of the algorithm now. That's amazing. I, my mind is racing because I'm, I'm thinking about all these things that I've been thinking about in parallel. And I'm <laughs> wondering if you guys have thought about similar um, dynamics. Have you thought about the concept or the idea of lotteries in, uh, in copiosis in terms of uh, how you can earn luxuries? Has that concept came up at all? Because if not, I, I'm definitely down to, to to riff a little bit if you guys have a little bit of a... Go for it. Yeah. So I, I, what I'm thinking of, for example, is if you hit a gateway, right, a threshold, you get a raffle ticket for something. So let's say, for example, for you know a, um, a luxury producer says, I like this Copios' idea. I'll give you guys 10 cars to give away. And it's like, great. All right. So let's say from this point on at this date, at this time, from now until X amount of time, right? If you generate X amount of NBR, you get a raffle ticket to get one of these 10 things. And then everyone's like, oh, bah, how do I get NBR? All right, let me see, I'll do this, do that. Everybody's just doing a ton of good things for a very small amount of luxury goods that have been donated. Um, what? Talk to me through, like, what, what are your thoughts on something like that? Because that, 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 to me, seems like the easiest way with a low amount of resources in the current system to get people to do something extrinsically that motivates for good in the world. So, so I'm, I'm going to ask Jarek to jump in after I say a few things, because I think he has some ideas about this. So, and, and what I'm about to say may prompt him. So one of the reasons why we stopped the Chico project is because it had gotten so big that the participants wanted to create an environment where... So one of the challenges of the Chico project was that people were so overcome with having to earn a living that they weren't willing to carve out time to do the things that would generate MBR. And so what we had thought about was seeing if we could engage with the local businesses and have them be willing to offer their products and services as luxuries in return for a gateway match. And, but we needed an organization that would essentially subsidize that. So when the business incurred the cost of, of providing that item, this third party would provide 
the cost matching cash so that the provider, the luxury provider would not lose money in the proposition. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like a three-way transaction. And, and so, the, but we couldn't, we couldn't actualize that. But essentially what you're talking about is along those lines. It's like, how do, I thought you were talking about in a fully blown copiosis organization, but you're talking about sparking greater expansion of the idea. And I totally agree. This Getting is, it off the this ground. Is, yeah. Yes. This is kind of what we're seeing is like, and Jarek has talked about this. It's like, how can we get to the point where we prompt companies like Apple or Verizon to offer luxury designated goods and services to participants in copiosis so that we get some traction with regard to people wanting to participate in our demonstration projects. Yeah, I'm all down for these kind of ideas. I mean, if we can develop an app and get people to chase Pokemon around the country, we can develop an app to do a raffle for a free car to get you to do something good. Yeah. Right? Well- I mean, look at look at uh, <laughs> HQ trivia, right? Like that that alone, right? There's a chance to win ten thousand dollars every day at a certain amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. All you have to do is participate, and so people open up their phones and they're answering questions, and they want to do that. It got huge, at least for a little bit, but like that that kind of motivation to spark the idea of hmm, I'm gonna. It's almost like a um, the extrinsic spark to light the fire of an intrinsic engine inside of people, right? That kind of dynamic there. Um, and you don't even need to be outward about it. You can prove it and then be like, this is, this is copiosis. This is what we're trying to do. We just didn't call it. I think it's a great stepping stone. Um, and, and so it's a, it's a good way to, to move us forward from where we are. Uh, at the same time, um, there, this idea, it, it's, rooted in sort of behaviorism, right? Punishments and rewards, carrots right. and sticks. And, and uh, uh, frankly, that most people in our existing system are sort of indoctrinated into that kind of, that kind of paradigm is a very extrinsically motivated paradigm where either you're, you're doing something because you don't want to get punished or because you want to get a reward. Yep. Um, the problem with that is uh, it, 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 it reinforces that kind of extrinsic Mm. Uh, motivating factor and as soon as you remove the punishment or the reward people lose interest in the behavior that was it's a great point yeah exactly great point Um, yeah and so that's really one reason why we want to to ease away from this current paradigm with nbr right the the entire purpose of nbr is it kind of looks it kind of sort of feels like money but not really uh close enough that you can still you still have this illusion of, of being you know motivated by by getting this reward but at some point you realize, well, I'm doing this because I really enjoy doing it. I'm not really doing it for the NBR. I'm just doing right. it because this is what I want to do. And the NBR is a nice side benefit. It's like a recognition of, of my community appreciating the work I'm doing, sort of like a pat on the back. But it's no longer, it doesn't feel manipulative anymore, right? right. Because right. in our current system, you do things because people, because if you don't do them, you're going to starve, first of all, right? Uh, <laughs> so you kind of don't, <laughs> you feel like you don't really have a choice. Uh, but then it's like when, whenever somebody is, is holding this carrot in front of you, in the back of your mind, you might still reach for the carrot, but you're like, well, this person is just manipulating me. <laughs> right. True. So. so it's almost better to have an ecosystem that you can approach that does it full on the right way. And you can use that environment better because it, it doesn't encourage, you know, the cross pollination, if you will. I mean, we have an organization or two that we're, we talk to that we network with. That yeah. would be pretty cool for this. 
Well, see, and this is the thing is we're looking for those type of what we call fellow travelers. So we have we have in our core team ongoing conversations about the following concept. What we're ultimately wanting is the opportunity to compete with capitalism. Right now, capitalism is a monopoly in, mm-hmm. it, in its ecosystem. There's nothing else that's that's competing against that that's offering people an alternative of substantial comparative opportunity. What we want to do is we want to deregulate that industry so that our system can work alongside that system and then allowing people to choose which one they want to be in. And presumably, if we're able to to design or expand or deregulate that environment significantly enough that copiosis could function fully as it's designed, not take over the country, but just operate in parallel, then and people can seamlessly move between the two then we believe like you like like you guys said this isn't about reinventing the mousetrap it's about changing people's mind about mice and so once people come into copiosis and experience what we're talking about here in an experiential way they're not going to want to go back to capitalism right it's a great point i feel like if i had the opportunity to to use this system versus use capital capitalism i I'm on for this system. Like I'm in, that sounds, it just, it's a better system. It's just, how do we get it started? How do we get that first buy-in? How does that happen? I like the feedback though. Cause I, my thought process was too, you take little chunks out of what's we, we're dealing with right now and you move towards that. And you're saying it's better to have a, a case study of, in it's perfect iteration, what it should look like. And then the adoption comes from seeing it in action, not using it with little small parts of your life. I'm, I'm actually saying that, um, it's a stepping stone, right? It, it's a good stepping stone, but we have to keep in mind that the, uh, we, we, we have to, we have to meet people where they are. Right. Um, and so it is, it's true that right now people are extrinsically motivated and that using that kind of motivating factor might be a useful tool in the beginning phases of launching copiosis that's all i'm saying so, so if, like one of the oh sorry one, one of the, go, ahead. Go, go ahead okay no. i'll go so so one of the, one of the things that Jen, that jerick is suggesting one of the one of the approaches is that we <laughs> start let's say here in portland for example or in um someplace in vermont someplace that's really open to this kind of an idea we start with a project that begins with volunteerism and we bring our we bring our algorithm on our software to this municipality and we say hey look we're going to be able to measure w- what type of benefit you're gaining from your volunteers in your community and so we implement it at the level of volunteers and then as we gain our and and that has benefit for us too right because we're able to refine how it's working and, and as we get that feedback and we show them what we're doing, of course, before we actually do this, we talk about the entire system and, and what we're ultimately aiming for. And so as volunteers start participating and they start amassing that benefit, at some point we engage with, with, um, with businesses in this municipality and we say, hey, look, so would you be willing to accept net benefit reward for some designated items in your in your uh, inventory so that these volunteers can see realize tangible value, tangible value of their volunteerism. And then we gradually expand that out of volunteerism to mm-hmm. other industries, to actual profit-making industries, where now 
rather than employees being totally compensated in dollars, maybe a portion, once we get significant producers, significant businesses that provide products and services willing to take NBR, then then gradually employers and employees start getting compensated in some amount of dollars and some amount of NBR. And so it just, and then eventually over time, we also implement our political strategy, which we're, we have a political strategy that we're working on also. And so over time, this municipality ends up being on our side with regard to politics because they're seeing the value of this. They're, they're, they have the aha moments that you guys have had during this show, and they're seeing the pro- progress of our, of our expanding idea. And next thing you know, they're wanting what we're wanting. And so then we've got one city, then we just get another city, and then it just becomes city after city there. after city until Beautiful. suddenly you do have that expansion of the market that c- capitalism functions in. What I really love about the volunteerism is like they're the dry powder to this thing where they are the 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 people that are doing it anyway that don't even need the NBR, right? But there's just at least a measurement. The NBR at first is just a measurement of who is volunteering the most, really. I mean, it's just a measure of like who's putting in the time. And, and it's a useful tool, right? So the part, part of the idea very. here is that um, – that as a volunteer, you want to make sure that you're contributing in as much value as possible, right? Because yeah. your time is valuable, and you want to make sure that you're you're creating as much value as you can with your time. So, being able to 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 reflect and see, for example, well, this is how much NBR I created when I did this versus when I did that versus when I did this, and this is how my actions are aligned with the objectives of my community, right? Uh, and, and maybe even these are the opportunities within my community based on based on on a uh, on a model of what the community actually wants what their objectives are this is where i can produce the most benefit for that community that's incredible and it just grows it just grows from there yeah yeah like like i can see the i can see the the potential of like just as instinctively right if i saw somebody who i knew was a, a a bleeding heart like volunteer who like put in a lot of time like i would wish the best for them. I would want as, anything I could do to help that person. I would want to do that because they are doing so much to, to help they're the world. The like it's work. amazing. So yeah. like, it doesn't seem like a hard, a, a large leap to say, I'll, I'll give some of my extra, you know, seats on the bus, like the, like the, the hollow chain episode or the, um, yep. like maximizing, uh, opportunities for like, if there's extra so-and-so to give it to the volunteers, like, like luxury items that they have that are, like that and and then just that slowly builds to a point where it it just yeah i it's massive i love it it's a great idea now consider the industrial application of the algorithm so let's say we've we've done a couple of years with the volunteers and we have the algorithm and the software really dialed in and we're able to collect the data we need to do the to run the algorithm and produce mbr so then we take that algorithm kind of like what you guys are doing with your liquid intelligence and we apply the same process to an industry. So let's say we go to the pharmaceutical industry and we say, um, look, we have this algorithm that will allow us to measure the net beneficial results of your operations. This could be a CSR, a corporate social responsibility win for you. Let's let us implement this algorithm to measure your supply chain up and down your supply chain and produce an, a net benefit value indicator. And then let's take the results that we produced in that pharmaceutical company and spread it throughout the pharmaceutical industry. 
suddenly we've refined even better our software and our algorithms. So then let's take it from pharmaceutical industries to hospitals and say, let us use our, our, our MBR algorithm to capture, to define, capture, define, measure, and capture the net beneficial value of your operations. And then let's spread that throughout all of healthcare. And so now all of a sudden, we even without the implementation of copiosis, we have a way to demonstrably dem- prove the benefit of, or the lack thereof of a of an operation which could have tremendous value for consumers number one and more importantly tremendous value for the producers because the producers are trying yeah. to get a handle on how well they're doing and if we can help them identify the pain points through the algorithm of where they're not getting the most bang for the buck in terms of in met in mbr measurement then that could be of huge value to the industries that's a good point the the indicators is is huge to be and being able to rank companies based on more than just how much profit they make, right? Like, who do you want to work for? Who do you want to buy? Yes, right? yes. So the so the, mm. the onus in copy in in today's world, and you see this demonstrated time and time again. The onus for stewardship, even though it's not very well done, is on the consumer. So you may you, you two may be old enough to remember that um, back in the day, the cola makers had a problem because consumers were drinking their cola and throwing their bottles and cans on the ground. And so there was a consumer movement to try and put the onus on the companies to do something about that. And what the, what the cola companies did was they created a PR campaign that created the term litter bug. Don't be a litter bug. So they pushed the responsibility of their cola production onto the consumer. <laughs> well, in copiosis, in copiosis, that doesn't happen. The onus is on the producer, and if the and if the producer doesn't take the onus on for the for his or her production function, then they don't get MBR commensurate with that decision. And so, if a if a producer wants to be wealthy in copiosis, they do everything they can to make sure their productive supply chain and their product are well stewarded. And so, the point of that is that in today's world, if we're able to implement this algorithm and this software in the way that I'm talking about, suddenly the producers have more access to what's really going on and they can do something about it. And the consumer does too, because now they can see the index. And so both now are kind of on the same page. I love this. This is incredible. And so now I'm wondering, I want to get people really excited about real tangible next steps, right? If Let's say, for example, Jarek, you had access to liquid intelligence and you understood it and you could build with it, right? What would you build for copiosis? The very first thing, what would be the first thing to build and why? Well, I, I would think it would have to do something in support of this whole volunteerism idea, right? Because I, I, I really think that's kind of a good launching point for expanding copiosis. And so being able to to look at all this data, right, as far as um, what what are volunteers doing in a community or in a city, what are the opportunities there, and and sort of figure out uh, through mining all of that data and, and be able to to uh, just very intuitively query all of that information, right? So like, what 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 should I if, if I could just talk to an AI and be like, well, what should I do today in order to have the maximum impact in my community? That would be really cool. And that's a really difficult thing to do today, right? I, I mean, it's not clear where I should go or what, what I should do or who I yeah. should talk to or whatnot in order to, to figure that out. Um, so to me, that, that would be sort of a good 
beginning place. Cool. I like that. There's, like there's that probably, there's probably <laughs> also, um, cause I know you guys are, I, I think you guys are a for-profit company. There's probably also a copiosis beneficial, um, profit generating or revenue generating opportunity there too, with regard to at some industry. And I, I think I have an idea of what spaces you guys are pointing at. And so, I, but I am under an NDA, so I don't want to say that in the, on the show. Um, but I, <laughs> but I think there's probably also some ways to, to use Jarek's outstanding skill and your technology in a way that creates something that benefits copiosis, but also benefits the spaces you guys are looking at so that there's this win-win because I know you guys are focused on like profit and we're all about Omni win, Omni win scenario. I want to, I want to know how much NBR we're generating over time from this thing too. Right. <laughs> yeah. My, right neg- are we in negative or positive? <laughs> Feed me so I can wait on those results for crying out loud. <laughs> Where's my Lambo? <laughs> That's great. This is phenomenal. Should we hit the cap score? I want to know what resource I want to know what resources y'all need right now. Let's do the cap score and then maybe we'll end on what we can do to magnetize right now. Like what like boots on the ground or uh, liquid introduction are a a community maybe to to do a beta project with. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you did in, in Chico and in Portland. Okay. All right. Seven, five, eight. So uh clarity i think you got me to seven today for sure and i think if i watched all the and if i watched all the explainer videos a second time i think i'd get even higher than that and seven's a pretty good score i don't know if we've had too many people come on here and been like a perfectly articulating such complex concepts so i'm i like where that's at action i gave you a lower action score because i want to attract more attention to these early projects right like i don't think I don't think you guys are too far along for a community of like 15 or 20 people or a small business or something, any kind of community that's trying to track their, their value better to be able to, to grab onto those. Like the bigger organizations that we know, like the team in Canada that's trying to do their inclusive, like that might be a really good play for it. But even that's like probably like 80 to a hundred people, something smaller. I don't think you're allergic to. So I like that. Any, any feedback on the, yeah, no, I side. actually, now that you say that, it might have been more beneficial for me to do a lower action score. I, I only did the higher action score just because you have already actually proven specific things. It's not just an idea, but you actually had a track record of creating and proving things uh, in the real world. So, um, yeah. good, good, good contrast, good contrast. <laughs> and then potential, I was at an eight and he's at a nine, so it rounds down always. Um, I think this is phenomenal. An eight is a really high score in my book and a nine is as high as you can go. Yeah, and I, I, I'm putting <laughs> you as nine just because you are at the same, the same, it, it, it's, to me it's a trifecta of liquid intelligence, holochain, copiosis of like, this is something that can create the framework for a future that I want to live in and that I think the world would as well. So agree. That's like, maybe that's our mission with all three of these guests is to see how we can circulate y'all into one, one beautiful cake that we bake together. <laughs> I've been using that analogy a lot today. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm hoping is you guys have interviewed and have contacts with some amazing people and those amazing people and what they're doing um, lends itself so well. I just see a perfect fit there. And so being able to have access to those people and, and I believe having access to those people will open up 
avenues to the other big thing we need, which is funding. It would be fantastic to have some funding to pay Jarek um, enough money so that he could not have to go take a job at Apple or something like that. You right. know? And, yeah. and so, yeah, that's what we're looking for, for sure. And, and the argument for sure of, oh, how are you implementing this? How are you going to show value here? And having a community that you can implement with or having Liquid or have you know having these other institutions that bring that extra credibility to round out the, the application of what you've been able to prove in theory is that's where you get the money. Yes, exactly. I love this. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you very much for coming Jarek. on today. Perry, thank you so much for coming on. Copiosis is incredible, and I can't wait to see what we come up with next. I'm on board. Let's go. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. Bye. Take care, guys. Bye.